Hey there, thanks for tuning into the Flip the Script podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to express my gratitude for your continued support. As a listener, you play a crucial role in the success of this podcast. And there's so many ways you can help out and I'd love to share a few with you. For starters, you can support the podcast with a monthly donation as low as 99 cents at flipthescriptpodcast.com. Every little bit counts. And if you want to show your love even more, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. I read every review and really appreciate those who've left reviews already. And last but not least, be sure to check out the affiliate links in the show notes. There is a small kickback that is received from any purchases that you might make. And of course, follow flipthescript.pod on Instagram. It's also a great way to stay up to date on the latest episodes and behind the scenes content. Thank you again for being a part of the Flip the Script community. I couldn't do it without you. Welcome to the Flip the Script podcast. I'm your host, Denali, and I'm a full-time reseller on eBay and Poshmark. My store and closet name is El Ducho, E-L-D-U-C-H-O. You can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as El Ducho Thrift. I'm very excited about this week's guest. I had the opportunity to interview a reseller that I've been following on TikTok, and her name is Juliet. You can find Juliet on TikTok and Instagram under the username Juliet's Finds, and all of her information will be in the show notes of this episode for you. Juliet began reselling back in high school. Her mom had taught her how to resell for extra cash at a young age. Her love of reselling had always been a great source of side income until a few years ago, Juliet decided to jump in and pursue it as full-time work. Juliet has found success on social media, on TikTok, and she has amassed over 100,000 followers by sharing her palette finds online. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Juliet. Thanks for being on the podcast with me today. Hi, Denali. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, Juliet was recommended to me uh, by somebody on Instagram to have as a guest. And when I went and checked out Juliet's profile, I was just telling her this before we started recording, I realized that I've seen, I've seen Juliet on TikTok before. So I've totally <laughs> seen your videos and I'm so excited after seeing your videos because I sat there and watched all eight minutes of said video. <laughs> I'm so excited to have this conversation and learn more about you and your business. So with all that said, I guess my first question for you, Juliet, is tell me about yourself and what has led you to becoming a reseller today? Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Mm -hmm. I am so happy to be here. (laughs) I think I feel like I called my mom and I was like, I made it. I'm on a podcast. Um, (laughs) But uh, but that she's part of my story. Right. My uh, my beginning. I I am from a very low income family when we were growing up. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we've come become middle class, I think, but growing up just didn't have a lot of stuff. And I was the youngest of four. So definitely had the hand-me-down stage and church donation mm-hmm. vibe going on, but I don't think it mattered. It didn't really ever, I didn't mind it. I just like, I liked when we got garbage bags full of clothes to um, go through and, you know, have some new things. And, um, yeah, we, we would, that's how we got our clothes when we were 
kids. And so it was natural to me to go to, you know, yard sales with my mom growing up and go to rummage sales in the summertime. I was in Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pennsylvania. So you really had like from May to maybe July until everybody started taking their summer vacations to get like (laughs) yard sale stuff. So we, we grew up like knowing if you wanted anything for the school year, yard sale season was it. And I remember buying everything from clothing to bags and purses. And like, I would even like buy makeup secondhand just because it, it wasn't a market back then. I don't know if you remember, like makeup wasn't like at a dollar store. It was Mm-hmm. expensive at a Walmart if you had a Walmart in your town which we got one when I was 13 so that was a big experience <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you just got kind of crafty and you know as as far as reselling I think my first experience so I always did that with my mom I was the youngest of four but I was a much different I, got, I had two sisters but I was a much different shape than my other sisters. So I couldn't get their hand-me-downs anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so me and my mom would go, I think we started more like clearance shopping at that point because it there just weren't thrift stores. So we found a lot of like, I'm not going to say like liquidation stores, but like clearance racks. And we would figure out when the sales were at certain department stores and just like hit like 90% off racks and we would buy for the year and I'd buy for my whole family. And we got really good at that. (laughs) I remember one Christmas, we literally went Christmas shopping, did the whole 90% off rack and then got them to gift wrap everything. And I mean, we paid like $30 for a hundred things and they gift wrapped every single thing. And I just, I remember me and my mom thinking that was such a cool experience to have Christmas for $30 for, and it was all wrapped. Like we blew our own minds, (laughs) but so I've always been my mom's pal. And then when the first like reselling thing that happened was she answered, now this is going to date me. She answered a newspaper ad for free books. And like, I think she just scanned it every morning for the word free and it said like large lot. So she took her minivan, which she always had a minivan that she filled with stuff. And she did two, we did two loads of books and what they were, were non-cracked, like never opened hardback Simon and Schuster publishing books from, she was a reader for Simon and Schuster and she would Hmm. get all these books sent to her. And she had a whole like spare room of these books. So one whole summer was me just listing these books for my mom. And I I think I was 16, maybe 15. And I listed these on half.com. Do you remember Mm -hmm. that? I do. Yeah. I listed them on half.com. It was a, it's a super easy system, just like it is now. Um, I feel like what it is now on Amazon, you just kind of scan the bar. You you wouldn't scan the barcode. You would type in the ISBN number. (laughs) And you would, um, it would just show you what, you know, new, you know, excellent, pre-owned, good and fair and what like the going rate was. And you just mm-hmm. put it out there. And I think it took me a, maybe a, a week or two to get through all, I think we had 2000 books and then slowly throughout the summer. And my mom looked at me and she's like, anything we sell is your money to go, you know, through the school year with. So once I did that, I didn't work during my school year anymore. So I didn't have to work during school. So that was a huge eye opener. I was like, if I can work in the summer, you know, do this reselling on the side, which I didn't, it wasn't called reselling. Then it was called, you know, 
selling, I guess. I think <laughs> we just called it. If I could do that during the summer along with my summer job, then I wouldn't have to work during the year. And yeah, that was like my first taste of it. And I just dabbled in it through high school and mostly during the summers is when I found myself having time and college again it was just I would do it in the summers I'd go to yard sales I'd mostly like just flip stuff pretty quick whether it be local Facebook marketplace or sometimes I would throw it up on eBay but I'm surprised I started on eBay when I was that young but I didn't go back um you know (laughs) but um and then I downloaded I think like fast forward through college, met my husband my senior year of college. And then we, I graduated and we moved out to California and it's not like, like I didn't feel comfortable thrifting out there. Um, So I just worked. I was just a career driven person. And, but I did download the Poshmark app because I was influenced, which it wasn't called that then, but I was, somebody (laughs) was like selling their like, oh, I think it was Miss Me jeans and prom dresses. And she was like selling them on Poshmark and they were so much cheaper than anything else, but I wasn't her size. So I ended up buying a t-shirt from her, but that's how I downloaded the app. So then it was like always there in the background and Mm -hmm. fast forward, we, I'm, I worked, well, I worked there and I was career driven. I really loved my job. I did event planning And then we got pregnant and we lived in California and that was terrifying (laughs) because we didn't have any family there. (laughs) So we both said goodbye to like our Silicon Valley jobs and we headed back to the East Coast where I was a stay-at-home mom and I'd never planned on that. Uh, That Mm -hmm. was like a hard thing for me. And so we then moved to, oh my gosh, we moved to North Carolina then for my husband to work for the company that he works for now. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like a, like a jump, you know, and we moved down there and they had the best thrift stores down there. And I was just buying for myself at that point, but I had amassed so much while we lived there. And I, again, had to say goodbye to the job I had down there. And then we just, my husband got moved up to New York and I got a job in New York too at the same company and I sat down on the first day and I hated it. <laughs> I just, I said, okay, I think I, it's like, I felt like Taylor Swift mastermind. And I was like, I'm going to just have to plan this out. And how am I going to get to this next phase in my life where I can do something on my own? And I started watching other resellers that were just talking about what they did. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of grew from that. I hope that made sense. I felt like I was rambling. (laughs) No, not a ramble. Yeah. I'm sitting here taking notes. There's, it's like, I've got a whole timeline out here. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Well, I, I have some questions, you know, the selling of the books totally sparked something in me just because I definitely did that early on, probably in or around the same time as you. I Mm -hmm. don't know if you mentioned kind of around what year that was, but do you remember what year did you get those books? It would have been around 2005, I think. Okay. 2004, Mm -hmm. 2005. Okay. I think. Yeah. So the woman that you 
your mom purchased them from? You said she was a reader. What, what does that a mean? A reader or side? I don't know. That's all my brain can remember is okay. why she had. So, but this publishing house would send her these books, whether she was, you know, but they were like the shelf books. Like it, I remember it was huge at the time, um, Angels and Demons. Mm-hmm. And there were three signed copies. Oh my gosh. Of, of the book. So I, it was, it wasn't like she was buying all these books. It was, they were sent to her from the publishing house. I don't know. I can't remember. I'll have to ask my mom if she well, remembers anything more on it. What a wonderful person to not crack the spine. <laughs> I know they really, I mean, I did cause I didn't know any better as I was like, what is this book? Um, goofball you know not no you know knowing what I know now I would have gave it white glove service but <laughs> that's interesting and do you remember how like how much did your mom purchase for them and how many were there if you can even remember I oh she I got them for it. free and it oh, was, they were all free they were all free mm-hmm. she and wanted her spare room back this hundreds hundreds Th- thousands no thousands thousands there I think there was around two thousand books Oh my gosh. Okay. So your mom said that whatever, what a nice mom to say that whatever the profits were, you could keep all of it. Yeah. Yeah. She was just so thrilled. I think that I took, took it over. I like, I created an inventory system, which now is really like insightful. I, it's like taking me back to think about all this, Uh, you know, I put them in bins and I, you know, do like a through E book titles. Right. And I try and do them alphabetically. And then like, I would have way more of some letters, right. That are much mm-hmm. more used. And I'd have to like get another bin or a box, or I'd be stealing stuff from my house just to make an inventory system. And I think she saw that I just kind of took it on and she was like, this is yours now, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. go for it. So that's yeah. amazing. And when you were thinking, okay, I need to sell these books. Did you just go onto the internet and type in sell books online? I mean, what led you to half dot com as opposed to I mean I guess the other large website would have been Amazon you know why why one over the other or was there no rhyme or reason I think my mom was familiar with it because remember I was the youngest of four so and all Mm -hmm. my siblings I was the only one still home so we were all two years apart my brother had just graduated from college my two sisters were in college so it was the textbook craze right we all had to have five to six textbooks every semester. And my brother, I believe, had figured this out whenever he was in college, I later more towards the end to buy books online used. Mm-hmm. And then my mom's like, well, if you can buy them, somebody's selling them, you know? Uh, right. And that's, that's how it came about. So it was definitely something relative to us and mm-hmm. the, the textbook uh, craze. I, I don't, I'm not sure how it is now. I haven't even delved back into it just because I know online books were such a thing when I was leaving college that Mm -hmm. things have changed. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that is a huge first big flip that, I mean, most people would dream of getting thousands of free books that are in mint or near mint condition and some of them being autographed. It's so amazing. You sold through them or got them listed throughout the summer and continued to sell them. You created this inventory system. I guess, you know, we can definitely say that at that time you were a reseller that, like you said, there was just no term for it. Was there ever a thought to you at that time about 
continuing to do that for income? I mean, I know you were young at that age, so maybe it was just, I, I, you know, I'm going to say no. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it's kind of like reflecting on this. And I thought, why didn't I think that this was ever a pursuable career? Mm-hmm. And I have to say it's because my mom always worked while she did this. It was always extra money. It was always a way to be able to go um, on sports trips, right? Yeah. Or field trips. That was the money. We weren't going on lavish, lavish vacations anyway. It was just that extra stuff that we wanted to be a part of. That's how why she flipped things. And mm-hmm. it just became a way of finding a, you know, we didn't call it side hustles back then, but it was her side hustle in order to help us you know, be kids, right. And do the things other kids were doing because without that, we wouldn't have been able to. So I never, I only ever thought like, Hey, if you want a couple extra bucks, this is what you got to do. So I think that's how it started for me when I picked it back up in, what was it? 2016 um, Mm is when I started dabbling in it again. And it was always, it was to pay off my student loans at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, we had been chained down by these student loans and I was like, I'm sick of it. So both me and my husband started two different side hustles. And we, I think it took us three years between the two side hustles to pay off my student loans. Well, that's um, amazing though, that you were able to do that. Yeah, it was really cool. I remember, you know, like just taking the moment with him and being like, we, yo, we did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Okay. So then moving along in your journey, you said that after kind of that experience, it kind of taught you that you could resell stuff during the summer in order to not have to work during the school year, which is great. So smart. Mm -hmm. So many kids should do that. And that, you know, you were going to yard sales, selling stuff on Facebook marketplace. You also mentioned eBay that you did sell some stuff on there, but you've kind of never went back to it. You know, what were you selling on there? What was your experience with it? And what, I guess, what's your feeling on why to never, why you haven't gone back? I, eBay was really the only game in town that I knew was doing it at Mm -hmm. that point. But I don't, do you remember a store called, I don't, the Deb at all? Deb, no. It was kind of like like an online store? No, no, no. This was, no. I mean, maybe, but it was like a Rue 21 or a Forever 21. Okay. But it was like, it was all Y2K. That's all I can remember. If you were thinking like what, was the style, but they would have clearance racks of a mm-hmm. dollar in their back and it'd be handwritten on the tag, you know, $1 and circled. And I would go through the racks and I, you know, I would, you know, have $20 to spend and I would just buy all of them, keep half. Right. And then if it didn't work on me, I would sell the other half. And I probably did that only with under a hundred items throughout mm-hmm. that life, but it was enough to give me the experience. And then I honestly, I think I got a negative feedback and I was like, I'm done here. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. You know, yeah. As, yeah. you know, my fragile little 18 year old brain was just like, eh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, you know, when I hear about people selling clothes on eBay 10, 15, 20 years ago, I mean, it just blows my mind because I was selling on eBay during that time. And that never occurred to me. I don't know why it didn't, but it never did. At that time, you know, I don't know if you remember kind of the years that you were selling on eBay. I mean, 
were you taking photos? Like what did that that selling clothes look like at that time? Because, you know, I know that in the early 2000s, I mean, there was, you know, not necessarily, you didn't necessarily have to put up a photo in your listing at some point with eBay in the beginning. Right. I was, I remember I had gotten a digital camera for college. So this would have been my first year summer, I think before college or maybe the year after that. So 2007, 2008, and I would have to upload the photos from my card in onto the computer mm-hmm. and it was just like one photo I think right and whether it sold or not was all you know I did I remember I bought two things from I think Hollister I found like a clearance glitch and bought like six dollar coats from Hollister nice. and I sold both of them online using the stock photo, which isn't great either, but, but that's what I did. I just copied and, you know, pasted over. I was like, oh, wow, they, that's something that's easier than having to take all the pictures and stuff. Right. And they sold, you know, it took a time to sell them because it wasn't winter, but they sold actually in the summer for me for like a $30 profit each, you know, nice. which I was stoked over. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. With eBay, you said that once the negative feedback came, you're kind of like, I'm out, which like, I I get, it kind of takes one bad experience in the beginning for a lot of people to just feel like this is not worth it. (laughs) And then moving along in your journey here on my, my notes that I took here is that you moved to California, you downloaded the Poshmark app. Do you remember what year that was? That would have been 2013. Okay. So you were early. I mean, yeah. that's pretty young yeah. into the app. And you mentioned that somebody was selling like Miss Me jeans and some prom dresses and stuff like that. Did you at any point in thinking about, I don't know, between 2013 and you said in 2016 is when you kind of started doing that side hustle to pay down your student loans. Mm-hmm. At any point between that time period, were you selling on there or were you just a buyer? I was just a buyer um, okay. and probably not even a great one. Just a very like watching other people's or seeing what I think it was my, I could call it my early stages of research, Mm -hmm. uh, right? I would see what types of things were selling and what they were, what they were promoting and how it worked. And, you know, I just played with the app and I, I think it did two years of just being a, you know, somebody on the sidelines, barely buying, barely watching, opening the app every now and again to kind of really get a grip on it and be Mm -hmm. a user first. Um, I always thought my, see my sales always, I always thought the tangible in-person sell this locally. Um, And in California, actually Craigslist was huge. So, cause that was a Silicon Valley, you know, business. So they still used Craigslist really heavily, which is terrifying. Um, (laughs) But what I would do there, I know you're, I'm remembering all these things now. I would buy mega tickets, which were tickets to the um, amphitheaters that were for the whole summer. And I'd only want to go to two. So I would sell all the tickets on Craigslist to pay for the two concert tickets that I wanted to go to. And that's how I, like, I feel like, so I always did something that felt like reselling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that was like something I did where I, I didn't have to do it, right? We probably could have afforded the, the, just the two concerts we wanted to go to, but I was like, I can get these for free though. 
And I just have to meet sketchy people seven times a week to do it. So, um, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, that resonates with me. I'm sure I did not that exact thing, but something to that. I think once you're kind of a reseller, you just have this in your bones. You're always kind of thinking like, what can I, like, I want to do this one thing, but how can I make it cost less or be free for yourself? Yes, right. And yes. you don't necessarily then, have to make money out of it, but if you could just cover the expense, mm-hmm. it's like a win. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's right now what drives me a little different from other resellers out there is that I'm not always saying I made this huge profit from this thing because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a means to get something for myself and mm-hmm. I can sell off the other parts of it you know, buying a table set, but I only needed the chairs, right? So you mm-hmm. sell the table for the same amount that you bought the whole thing for and get the chairs for free. So, you know, it that's, that's the in the bones part that you're talking about. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you tired of spending hours sharing and sending offers to likers? Introducing Posher VA, the web program that will save you time and increase your sales. With Posher VA, you can automatically share your closet, send offers to likers, and schedule your share times all with just a few clicks. Using code ELDUCHO, you can try Posher VA for two weeks for free, no credit card required. Posher VA is not just another program, it is your program. Say goodbye to manual sharing and hello to even more time in your business. Try Posher VA today using code ELDUCHO, E-L-D-U-C-H-O. Okay, so then after that, you know, it sounded like you were moving around a little bit, you know, you were in... Uh, Northern California for a while doing event planning. Then you went to the East coast. You said you were a stay at home mom for a little bit. Then you guys went to North Carolina and the thrifting was great, which we love to hear. Thrifting is great, Yes, (laughs) but you were only Mm -hmm. buying for yourself at that time. And then you guys went back to New York and that is kind of when you had this moment where you're like, I don't like my job. I don't want to continue to do this. And you started making this plan. Mm -hmm. Tying in what we were just talking about a second ago, where you mentioned that, you know, you feel like you might be different from other resellers in some ways in that, you know, you're like, right, how can I, maybe it's not necessarily about uh, huge profits or whatever it is. I'm curious, you know, was part of your plan to replace the existing income from the job that you were working or, and to whatever extent you're comfortable saying, you know, to become a full-time reseller, did you have to, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Take a, I guess, a hit in your income. So the answer to that is yes. I think um, <laughs> I think if you're a one-man show, it's much easier to get paid by somebody else and make a profit. But I think when people ask me kind of what is your business model? What are you reaching for? And it's it's my business model is to never go back to working in corporate again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's only because I saw the depletion of my spirit. And I am 
I just wanted to be a more positive, happier person to be around. Mm -hmm. And I could feel that, you know, the competitive side, the glass ceilings, all that stuff. It just wasn't a competition that I, I was wanting to, you know, fight for, but if you didn't fight, you didn't grow. And Mm -hmm. I just, I got really stuck in that, you know, what do I do? How do I do this? So my income, the, the plan was if I get good enough at this, then I can, you know, I think we all think we have to convince our spouse to Mm -hmm. make that decision together. So that's how me and my husband are, we are a team. And we, you know, I think that's what I thought for a long time. And then once it became clear that we were both on in the corporate world, we were both growing. We both were traveling all the time and we had two young children. And then things stopped being easier around 2020. I don't know if you remember that time, but it got really difficult to mm-hmm. plan childcare and to have things so streamlined and planned Mm -hmm. and it got it became really hard for both of us to for lack of a better climb the corporate ladder and you know we just I thought I would have to convince him you know with a salary for so long and I'd been doing my own bookkeeping and saying you know it was eleven thousand dollars this year it was you know I grew you know thirteen thousand dollars this year you know but it, it became out of necessity more that we needed, I, we needed somebody to stay home with our kids and maybe not stay home with them, but you know, it's, there's, there's sports or there's after school, or there's mm-hmm. getting them on the bus. There's all that. And, you know, your employer doesn't always care right. what you have to do. So it was easier after all of that, after the pandemic to make my case to kind of step back from you know, my career and see if I could make this thing work. And yeah. Okay. So when did you officially leave your full-time job? So I, my, let me think how this went. I went part-time at first because Mm -hmm. my daughter is on the spectrum. So she has um, autism. She's been diagnosed with autism and Mm -hmm we realized early on that phone calls happened more often with our daughter who was younger than our son and that we had a lot more parent teacher conferences. We had a lot more doctor's appointments. We had a lot more things with her. And when she went to go and start kindergarten, she was lined up to have after school care. And my daughter this was just a plain after school care. There's no special education after school care around me. My daughter had had a tantrum and, you know, lashed out on a teacher. And they said, you know, it was two days in and she was not allowed to be at that daycare anymore. And it was crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to make my daughter feel like she doesn't belong somewhere. And if that's with me, then it's with me. And so we kind of, I went part-time and that was really difficult I was dropping her off at school, racing to work, working six hours, skipping lunch, and then going and picking her up from school and then taking care of her all afternoon. So I was part-time for six months. And then I looked at my husband. I said, I need to take leave. I've depleted everything I have. And then I took a six-month leave. And unfortunately, when I went to go back into the workforce, my job was not there anymore. So Mm. 
but it's, it's, it's a blessing. I'm, you know, I'm very positive about it, but yeah, that that's the risk you take when you take an unpaid leave. So yeah, the HR in me is like, wait, I, isn't your job supposed to be protected? <laughs> Just like, uh, was, did I, you take I, an FMLA yeah. leave? No, they, no, no. Got it. I just okay. took a, took a, I need a break, please. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Okay. And I'm sorry. And I, I, I don't know if you said, when was it that you went part-time? What year was that? Part, that was just six months prior. So, um, I went part-time in two, wait, so it's been a year since I took the leave. So I took leave March 18th, 2022. So then 2021 was when I went part-time 2022 in March is when I would say I was a full-time mom and reseller, right? Whenever okay. I didn't need to be a mom, I was, I was doing reselling stuff, sourcing, thrifting, you know, going gung-ho with it. Got it. Okay. So March, 2022, I guess that brings us almost up to present day. That is when you, I guess we can say officially went full-time as a reseller, congratulations. Very exciting. Thank <laughs> you. It is. It's the best, best decision I've ever made. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just as an aside, I, I, I relate to what you said. Your business model is, however, you said it in a way that I've never thought about it before. And I had actually seen your TikTok video. You made a TikTok video explaining this. And mm. it resonated with me because... I think I feel the same way. I mean, I, if somebody had asked me today or yesterday what my business model is, I, I don't know that I would have had a really exciting explanation. I think mine would probably be make money Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. is my business model, but also yep. saying never going back to corporate America. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, this is not an easy job to do necessarily. However, I would pick this job a thousand times over going back to working for someone else, which I get, you know, some people like to sell part-time and work for uh, somebody else and that's okay too, but it's just, um, it's not for me. And it sounds like it wasn't for you. Yeah. And believe me, the money was good. I mean, to make it, you know, $11,000 of profit, a year on top of my salary, you know, that was Mm -hmm. all just extra cash. But I mean, we put it towards, you know, our debt and that I think it's funny, all these steps in my life, I think I was working towards being able to take a step back from the mental load that was having a full-time job with, you know, a ton of responsibilities, right. Mm -hmm. That a lot of other people depended on me and it just became insanely overwhelming you know, trying to do everything perfect. And yeah, I just, I think a lot of people want you to have this really strict business plan in order to, um, I think like talk on social media about it. And I just wanted people to know that like, you can do this from your heart. You can do this because you love it. You can do this because it makes you happy and that can be your reason. And that's okay too. You know, Um, I love that. I, that yeah. you, wow, Julie, I'm just, I'm going to tell people that from now on, I, you know, I never knew how to put into words or I never knew I needed to put into words, but I really, that you hit the nail on the head for me. And I'm sure for others that will resonate as well. And um, like, so many good things can grow from when you're in a good place. That's like, mm-hmm. 
you know, I never thought I would be on social media the way I am now. Um, and that's mm-hmm. just because of reselling. So it's, it's an exciting ride. And when you're, you're, you're happy, you, that momentum just whew, keeps going. Right. And other people see it too, which yes. is great. Yes. Okay. So now present day, been reselling full-time for just over a year now, where do you sell on currently? What platforms do you sell on? Mostly it's Poshmark. So I did try over the past year, I tried cross listing and doing all the different um, selling platforms and I really worked hard at it. And I know I probably should have given it more than a year, but I um, saw another uh, video where it was just explaining how if you really double down on one platform, you're going to see better results because you can just keep pushing you know, and getting better and being an expert at one. And I was like, you know, I feel like I am an expert at Poshmark. I'm going to go for it. And when I I did that in January and I just started selling solely on Poshmark and I saw immediate results with being able just to focus on one thing. And it's probably having to do with my personality, but I was able to streamline a lot more stuff and not have to worry about how do I print labels from this you know, platform with my printer? How do I, you know, get this out there? So yeah, Poshmark's my main, my main, uh, my main gig right now. I sell a lot from my TikTok videos too, Mm -hmm. if I still have it. And I do a lot on Facebook marketplace. If it's too big, I tend to just throw it up there for a pretty affordable price and, and make my money that way with, with bigger stuff. And you mentioned selling stuff from your TikTok videos. Now for that, are people just emailing you or commenting like, hey, I saw you held up this thing. I want to buy it. Yeah, that's about what they do. And I say message me and I, mm-hmm. they either message me on, you're able to message on TikTok now mm-hmm. um, before you weren't. But other than that, they would either email me or they would reach out to me on Instagram. And I'd kind of make them, you know, really try to find a way to get personal information to me and not yeah. personal, like a personal message to me yeah. because so many people are like, oh my God, I want that, right? To feel right. like they're part of the conversation. So I'd be like, message me. And you know, you get a handful of people that do. And then you just, I think a really strong suit was, I, I skipped this part. I did a lot of live selling in a private Facebook group right after the pandemic, right when I realized my daughter was going to need extra care mm-hmm. um, is when I established my like business, I guess. I was like, if we're going to do this, I have to put this under, you know, some type of business shell. And that's when I like kicked off the brand of Juliet's Finds and started doing everything under there. And I sold up locally on Facebook because it was during the pandemic (laughs) and people needed stuff locally. So I would do live shows, but Mm -hmm. that was kind of a nightmare because I would have to rewatch the live and mm-hmm. get the comments and some people had slower wi-fi and <laughs> they would have like they, they thought they won and they didn't and these were all people that knew me so it was oh, tough. No. so yeah. that was a tough experience but people loved it and people loved watching me and they would tune in every you know day to watch me so that live selling part still big and since poshmark has their live shows now I've adopted that because it was something that came natural. I enjoyed the quick, you know, sell through rate of stuff. And um, yeah, it, that's kind of a, a part of me that being a high volume seller 
for mm-hmm. in those live shows. I, I enjoyed that too. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, the live selling, it's interesting how it's evolved over the past five to 10 years. I mean, like you said, in this Facebook group that you were part of where you were able to do live selling is interesting. I've known people who've done it in some capacities. It not specifically what you were doing. I'm not comparing the two, but, you know, certainly I know that at a period in time in the past 10 years, people were doing the LuLaRoe shows yes, on Facebook. Yes, I don't that's know. exactly what it was like, except with okay. thrifted clothing. Got it. Yes. Got it. And that's that was exactly huge. what it felt like. Yes. Yes. It was and it, I was and coming right off that. I was, okay. I felt like I grabbed the people that were into that world, right? That was that consumer that I was mm-hmm. grabbing with those live shows. And, and that's what I saw the powerful, they wanted to be a part of my community, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to be a part of something that was not everybody knew about yet. Um, yeah. And that, and that was you said that cool. was during the pandemic. It was on the tail end of it. So we were all okay. still like, yeah. you know, taking tests before we went anywhere and not traveling, right. but kids were kind of back at school, I think. So 20, 2020, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess I was just asking because it was also a time where people just weren't leaving the house, right? Exactly. I mean, a lot of shopping was just happening online and and you have people who are trapped in their house and if they have the internet and a, a credit card or debit card, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they could kind of, you know, live this virtual experience of shopping that, and, and in, in a human way, right? It's right. not just you're going to Amazon and you're, or even going to Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace where obviously, yes, you can just scroll and see all the things for sale. But when you have this friendly face or friendly, familiar face, somebody that you yeah. know who's selling stuff to you, it's more engaging. It's, enter- I mean, it's literally a form of entertainment, whether yes. you end up buying or you don't end up buying. It's kind of an experience that some mm-hmm. people just enjoy watching. I, I agree. I think that's exactly what happened. And a lot of, I don't like, there were huge supply chain issues. So if people wanted something that didn't mean they could even order it at that point. Mm -hmm. So I had a, you know, what they would call a death pile and I just put it to use. And then once I started doing those shows, a lot of people were like, I have bags closed. Do you want them? Mm -hmm. And it just kind of snowballed like that for a good year. I did it it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and no fees. <laughs> no fees. That was the only thing I ended up paying for was a a company called Comment Sold. Oh, and I it heard was, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was much more for boutique owners that could sell yeah. through quantities, but I would upload every single one because I needed an invoicing system. Yeah. And I didn't know how to do it otherwise. Right. So that's, Okay. Interesting. I tried it all. Jeez. I try everything. I think that's one thing about me. Like I'll try it. I'll try anything. No, I mean, that's great. I think that, you know, typically when I've, I've talked to people, that is a theme that I often hear is they, you know, on, if all these successful entrepreneur, yeah. entrepreneurs, they just try. Yes. And you don't want to, I mean, if you're not first, you're last, right? I mean. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So tell me about your workspace and your business operation, you know, I know that you really talked about how in, in taking on becoming a full-time reseller, it enabled you to be with your children and be at home. So is your business operated out of your home? Yes. 
Yes. So we just bought a new home in November and I, we went looking at houses uh, and we weren't really sure if I wanted my space here or at the house or if we would be, you know, looking for a separate space, but we were open to it, but the housing, there weren't that many houses, but when we saw this house, it, the basement, like I always tell people, you got to see my basement, like come to my basement. They probably <laughs> think I'm a huge creep, but it's, it's just this amazing storage. It runs across the whole house. And oh, wow. It just has an amazing storage. And then it has this like room off the back of it with a tiny window that gives you, you know, a little bit of sunlight, mm-hmm. which is rare in a basement. And yeah, yeah, it's a processing room and storage center. And I think I have like over like 1500 square feet of space dedicated in my home to my reselling business. So that's amazing. I'm yeah, jealous. I know, I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, I, I like, it didn't even need to see the rest of the house. Like the basement would have sold me like the, the rest of the house is fine, but the basement chef's kiss. So when you were looking for a new house, I mean, was the intention because of the business? It, it was. So we realized um, we were in a house when we were all working from home. It was such an open concept <laughs> that there was no, there was no office. Our office was in another open part of the living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my husband taking night calls and working internationally and stuff like that, we he needed an office and I needed an office, whatever that looked like or a space, right? So we very thoughtfully thought about that in the next place. And I I know not everybody can do that. Believe me, I was operating out of, you know, bins under my bed for a very long time when I first started out. And that is very doable. And that's how I tell everybody to kind of start doing it, right? Pull something from Mm -hmm. your own house and start selling. But now that, you know, the the infrastructure was here to to grow, like I had really big eyes of like where to take this business. It's been pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So in thinking about your business right now, I'm curious what you feel like some are, what are some of the challenges that you're facing? I do think being at home is tough because I want to, I'm, I call myself like the house manager, right? So you have Mm -hmm. to, you know, take the dog out while you're here. You have to vacuum if the kids aren't here it's much easier to vacuum when they're not here right (laughs) and if you know you have to you know it's pretty dusty over there let me dust this you have to really rein that in and say Mm -hmm. nope I'm gonna have to clean you know let myself clean maybe for 30 minutes and then get back to work that's a huge challenge with having a space at home another another thing with this business is what sells today might not sell tomorrow and that's really hard for people to always understand if it's sold for me, it might not sell for you. And that's why it's like, I really preach like, sell what you like, you know, maybe it can mm-hmm. have dual use. Maybe you can use it if it doesn't sell. And that's how I'd say to get started. Right. And it, that way there's less pressure, less risk of, you know, losing a lot of money or having a weight of anxiety over you. Mm-hmm. But it can be, it's a huge risk. It's a huge challenge. You're taking money away from, you know, your family to invest more in your business. And that's, that's hard sometimes.
I know firsthand how exhausting it can be to manage all the tasks in my reselling business, like listing, bookkeeping, and more, but I've found a solution that has given me back my time and allowed me to grow my business, hiring a virtual assistant. And now I want to share that solution with you. That's why I've created an online course called Hiring a Virtual Assistant for Your Reselling Business. With this course, you'll learn everything you need to know to find, train, and manage a virtual assistant like a pro. And because I want to make this course accessible to everyone, I'm offering a special coupon code, Flip the Script, that gives you $10 off at checkout. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your reselling business to the next level. Sign up now at hiringava.com and let's enjoy the freedom and fun of growing our businesses together. Again, you can sign up at hiringava.com. You know, I know that you mentioned that you have the Poshmark closet and you told me that you've do some selling on Facebook marketplace and anybody who follows you on social media will see that you get pallets, yeah. you know, and, and you just mentioned selling what you like. So I'm going to imagine that your Poshmark closet is full of lots of beautiful, beautiful clothing. And mm-hmm. I'm going to imagine that your Facebook marketplace is a lot of your pallet finds. What, what is it that you enjoy selling? I think I enjoy I enjoy the clothes. That's first and foremost. I think I understand clothes, right? You under, I understand how they're worn. I understand how they're supposed to be tied. I understand, you know, the seasons, why they would be buying it now versus later. I get all of that that surrounds the story of clothes and what's trendy. You know, you can just kind of watch and add keywords, mm-hmm. but like electronics, like I don't know how they're supposed to work. I mean, I, I, I can work my way around any electronic. I can make anything work, right. but I don't know that that's how it's supposed to work. And yeah. that's what throws me off. So mm-hmm. if I have an electronic, I'm usually selling it way cheaper. If I got it on a pallet or, um, you know, for free, I'm usually, you know, Facebook marketplace, 25 bucks, whoever wants to come and get it right that happened to me with like a lot of car parts and so many people were like you know we see other resellers selling car parts all the time and I was like yeah no I'm just not gonna do it (laughs) I don't I don't Mm -hmm. want to they're greasy they're oily the boxes are dirty like I'm and I don't have good eyes to get the print of the little serial numbers off of them I just had to like throw my hands up and be like put a lot up on Facebook marketplace and somebody came and took it all you know so Mm -hmm. So with stuff, items like that, right. I mean, cause I feel similarly like, right. I know how electronics work, but mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, super interested in having to go through and test everything and do all that sort of stuff. And then now you're talking about adding in car parts, which would just feel like a whole other language to me. And that's not something I would know how to test or have information about, you know, when you said that you just sold them as a lot. I mean, do you feel like, did you take a loss on them because of lack of knowledge or, I mean, did you get a lot of questions about the items? How did you answer them? Uh, well, that was kind of the the deal. If I was selling this lot for this cheap amount, mm-hmm. no questions asked, right? And I think <laughs> you can do that if yeah. it's cheap enough. Right. Um, so 
I was able to take a couple pictures of the bigger items and just be like, Hey, no questions asked, come get it. And then the guy, the guy that actually bought it came and bought multiple other things from the pallet. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was able to get a good chunk of money back that way. And, you know, I just enjoyed, I don't buy scratch off tickets. I don't gamble. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, I love a good liquidation <laughs> mystery <laughs> box or palette or anything yeah. like that. And I'm now realizing it's like, yeah, you might not gamble, but uh, <laughs> but you, you really enjoy a mystery box. <laughs> so um, keep that in perspective. And I, you know, I try to give myself a, a schedule as to when I can buy again. But sometimes yeah. it's opportunity, right? It's it's right. It's not always, you know, three weeks out is the exact right time that I could do this. And in two weeks, you know that you get an email and you're like, there's a new shipment in, buy it now Mm -hmm. or you can't. So yeah, I think sometimes pallets don't hit the right way, but then other ones are like a massive success. Right. And Mm -hmm. they're fun though. Yeah. So on that note of like a massive success, I mean, is there a pallet that you can think of that you felt that way about? It's the pallet that keeps you going, that keeps buying other pallets. Yes. It was the first kind of mystery palette that I bought because it was only $50. It was out in the front of the warehouse. I was like, why is this $50? I'll take it. That's no, mm-hmm. that's no risk at all. Right. People enjoyed watching it, watching me open it. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's, that's enticing too. And mm-hmm. then I, as I started putting everything together, I was able to use two things out of it. My son had wanted a couch for his bedroom he's eight years old he's starting to want to watch tv in his bedroom and you know do all those things and I was like there was a couch on this pallet <laughs> so I was like <laughs> okay um well that's his couch right it's a 350 dollars couch on you know from walmart.com and then yeah. I was able to get a dresser for my daughter's room that fit her room exactly and I was kind of like wow like and then I made 170 or 200 dollars off the rest of the stuff so I was kind of like wow that was that was a slam dunk in my eyes, but mm-hmm. it also took me like, I think a cumulative like 20 hours to build everything because it was all <laughs> buildable stuff. Um, yeah. So like, it's like, okay, there's money in these, but it's like where, how now I'm looking for ones that are already put together. So the next one I bought, I got a box full of skincare that mm. it's like this skin medica, $300 a bottle. And there were seven of them in there. Oh, wow. And I sold three to a follower that used mm-hmm. it and was like, sell those to me. And then I put them up on Poshmark and the other three, and they sold literally day after day and they were sold to guest buyers. So it sold so quickly. It paid for that palette and the next one. And, you know, that's the kind. And then I sold all the other stuff off of that $300 palette, which was super easy. And mm-hmm. You know, you go off of those ones and then you get a pallet full of car parts and then you just you ask for forgiveness from your husband for taking up all the space in the garage for a few weeks. So, <laughs> sorry. Well, that's not, that's not too bad. A few weeks. Not bad. It's not bad. No. It would be worse. No. You could yeah. just let it sit in the corner. I know. I, I have a couple corners in my house, but we're doing that's pretty okay. good. We yeah. all have a couple corners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And do you feel like there is a misconception with pallets that, or liquidation in general, that it's this wonderful, amazing, pulling $100 bills out of boxes every time? Or do you feel like it's represented accurately on social media? 
I, I'm probably part of the problem on social media. And I think it's funny. And I don't want to say a part of the problem. I want, I want people to enjoy the, the things that I put out there, but right. you know, when you buy a liquidation box, that's no good. You don't want to show it. Right. Um, so it's probably not accurately portrayed, but I think there are, if you look hard enough, you can find some honest reviews of different styles of buying online and wholesale buyers. And you can make a pretty good you know, assumption for yourself. Now, the thing is, is like, you have to realize that you might just break even. That might mm-hmm. be the name of the game with some of these liquidations if you don't find the $900 designer dress in it. But like, that's, I think most resellers are okay with that as long as mm-hmm. they don't lose too much time and money, right? Right. They're okay taking that risk because if they even, if you know you're going to break even, there's not too much risk, right? But mm-hmm. it's that, that, am I going to, did I waste my money on a box full of, you know, of the same t-shirt that I couldn't sell one of, but now I have to sell 40 of, you know, that I get that. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Okay. So in thinking about where you've built your business to at this point, you know, you're, like I said, over a year into being full-time, where do you see the future of your business going? Do you have you know, speaking of business models, business plans, do you have a thought of, you know, a year or two years from now, what you want it to look like, or is it just going to be status quo? I think we all want to be able to list faster and list more and, and do that. I think I have to get over those personal hurdles of hiring help and how do you outsource that help? I'm still Mm -hmm. very much a one-man show with a few nuances of, you know, whether it's bots or whatnot, but, you know, I'm still very much in that I can do it all. And Mm -hmm. I think over the next couple of years, because honestly, I'm a very slow-moving individual when it comes to these kind of things, but I would love to have somebody come in and just photograph for me. Um, Mm -hmm. it's always been a weak spot on my part, but I always strive for perfection. So it takes a lot out of me. I think if I were to hire somebody, that's what I would do. And again, it always like, it's just a difficult thing when, you know, you care about your business so much and you're just not going to find that in anybody else for your Mm -hmm. business. So, you know, I think just the, the, the me being open to try and maybe get some help so that I can increase, you know, revenue year over year would be nice. And I also want to see where social media takes me. I mean, you're an inspiration with, you know, your YouTube and this podcast is amazing. It's kind of fun to see, you know, where that could go to. So it's super exciting on that front. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But I mean, I, your TikTok is exploded you're doing so well on there I mean in terms of your social media growth that you've had there I mean you know is there is there a thought with I mean social media in general but I guess we'll talk just TikTok specifically like is there a thought or goal with creating content there I mean is it just a form of marketing yourself how do you do it I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, you have to really just be doing it because you love it at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's a way since I do work from home and don't have coworkers or, you know, necessarily 
people that see me every day, it is a way I, f- am, I can feel seen in mm-hmm. the day. And that, that means something to me. So a lot of this is not a monetary drive. It's just being able to feel seen. And I think that matters to me. So I'll keep doing what I do with that. But if things start to happen, I would love to work like with my local community on projects or something. You know, I I kept my business name very general so that it didn't have to just solely be reselling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would love to be like, you know, like I found this really cool location or something too. And I'd be open to something like that as well, because I truly love, I love where I live. So I think it'd be kind of cool if I could give back to my community in some way, help promote smaller businesses in some way, maybe help them with social media. I, yeah. I don't know. That might be the next step for me, but I'm going to still keep getting those pallets because those are fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> filming those. So I get it. Yeah, no, I totally mm-hmm. get it. Okay. Well, in thinking, I guess my last question for you in thinking about your journey as a reseller, knowingly or unknowingly, since you were back in high school uh, with your mom, you know, what advice would you give to yourself, Juliet, on, I guess, at any point? I mean, would you go back and, and tell yourself at 16, hey, go for it? Or do you feel like, I don't know, you needed the experience that you've had up until now to kind of be where you're at now? What would you tell yourself? Um. I would give myself a hug first off. She's doing (laughs) great. But it's one of those things where I think every step of the way, everything that I have done has made me strong enough for the next step. Mm -hmm. So I I can't discount anything. I would tell her, just keep doing you. You're going to make some mistakes you're going to do, but you're, you're going to end up in a really great spot. And it's because of all, all that you've done already. And I, cause I, I don't want anything to change. I, I really enjoy mm-hmm. where I am, how I got here and having that experience. Like I can't imagine if I would have went right into this right after college or maybe even not went to college and just tried to do this on my own. The, I probably would have longed more for a corporate position and I maybe would have went back to it later and thought that that's, um, I think for a long time, and I think in my generation, a lot of people thought their value was in a job. Mm-hmm. And I think they still feel that way. And sadly, it just, it's leaving a lot of people unhappy um, if they didn't get to exactly where they thought they'd be. Mm-hmm. And once, once I let go of that thought um, and started building something of my own, it was just a much better feeling. And yeah. Uh, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. You, you don't have a lot of external factors to tell you that you're doing a good job all the time, but yeah, you can feel it. You know, people want to be around you. People want to talk to you. They want to hear more about what you do. And, you know, I, I try to go off of that. So I would tell her, don't change a thing. We don't want to mess up this <laughs> timeline. Um, <laughs> we're doing great now. Yeah. But, and I guess just to, to drill it down even further in regards to reselling, I mean, if you went back mm-hmm. now, let's just say like a year or two, is there anything yeah. in regards to like reselling tips you would have told yourself? I think, I think so many people think they're not good enough to do it, or they don't have enough wherewithal or smarts or expertise in this field. Anybody can do this. Yeah. Anybody can do this. If reselling it, you don't want to do it forever. 
it's what is what is how can reselling help you get out of whatever situation you are in right now mm-hmm. and catapult you to the next thing you know i worked behind the scenes in branding and marketing for 7 years and i wasn't allowed to put a post out there without 20 levels of you know um approvals and now mm. i press that post button with just one person's of approval and you know it's you're allowed to mess up in this world. You're allowed to make mistakes. And like, it's whatever you need reselling to be for you. I think you ju- it's going to be okay. And, you know, maybe you make 20 bucks, maybe you make 2000 bucks. It's, it's okay. You know, I think mm-hmm. anybody can do it. I think it's a way for people to, you know, express a different side of their capabilities too. Mm-hmm. Cause there's so many different facets. There's bookkeeping, there's taxes, there's buying inventory, selling inventory, you know, inventory, right? Tracking it. So there's so many different parts of a business too, that it, it teaches you a lot. So don't, don't think you need to know everything and you can do it. That's what I would yeah. tell people that want to, you know, go for it. And there's so many free videos out there of right now, people just talking about it. And that's how I learned. And that's how I continue to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know everything either. I really mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I mean, yeah, you don't need much in this job other than a will to succeed or think yeah. you can succeed. <laughs> you kind of have <laughs> to to tell yourself that you can do it and and believe that you can do it because a lot of times because, you know, reselling isn't a mainstream profession yet, you know. Yes. We're mm-hmm. we're, we're yeah. getting there, but it is mm-hmm. still a it's still a shocking thing for most people to hear that somebody would do for full-time income. You've got to believe in yourself because people around you might doubt you and it's, you know, not totally their fault. They're just not familiar with it and they've never heard of anybody else doing it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds weird to say sell things on the internet (laughs) (laughs) because I think you say a lot. I sell people's trash on the internet, right? Yeah. Right. Because it's just, yeah, it sounds so foreign. And, and even, you know, shopping at thrift stores is, I, I feel like has become, you know, has come with less of some stigma that people have attached to it throughout the years, that it's just <laughs> intended for certain groups of individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all you have to do is go into a goodwill to realize it is not intended for only certain groups of individuals. I mean, the pricing mm-hmm. at some Thrift stores exactly. Is, yeah. I mean, it's almost mm-hmm. as it's sometimes almost as much as what it is at the mall, right? You can, right. Find, you can find clothing cheaper at Target and Forever 21 than it's going to be at the thrift store. So uh, yeah, I think it's a, a drive to, to just having yourself and a belief in yourself to succeed. And that's kind of, that's what, that, that's what'll get you going. Yeah. And there's, there's one other thing that sparked in my brain whenever you were talking it that, that I would tell other people is don't drop everything to be a reseller. You can do this in tandem with whatever you're doing. Yeah. It's, you can make this work, see how it works in your life and see how it can work with you around your schedule. And I mean, I did it for years, I think seven years part-time while I was mm-hmm. just working a full-time job and it allowed me to learn and make, you know, I could buy things and I wasn't worried about it. I had a full-time income. So it's one of those things where if you are interested in it, you know, start learning about it while you have another job and kind of get used to it and and look more into it. That's, that's how I would tell people, you know, 
instead of just dropping out, you know, unless you have to, <laughs> right. you know, try, try and take a tiered approach to it and, and, and really rationally, safely ease into it. Yeah, no, I agree that I, yes, definitely dip your toe into it and, and come mm-hmm. into it gradually if you can, while you do have other stable income, because as, as fun as reselling it is, it is not always the most stable of income. You never know what's going to happen. Maybe a global pandemic could pop Maybe. up at any moment. So <laughs> we've seen it happen, right? We've seen right. Happen. Stranger things have happened before. So yeah, in our business, um, when you're tied to the spending of other people, there's a mm-hmm. lot of things in the world in that can happen in the news that can affect how people choose to spend their money. So yep, it yep. can be unpredictable unpredictable in that way. It is not a guaranteed paycheck. So well, thank you for all of that, Juliet. This has been such a fun interview and I want to be respectful of your time. And even though I feel like I could ask you like a bajillion more questions, <laughs> it's, it's been a, wonderful. This a part thank you. People I'm like a part two at some point, a, a follow-up <laughs> so I can ask millions more questions. I feel um, like this made me remember so much more about my whole journey too. So thank you. I Oh, I'm, of course. Oh my gosh. No, it's so interesting hearing all of it. And and I relate to so much of it because, um, I don't know, it's probably just the universal reseller experience, but I'm sure somebody yeah, else. And we, I mean, we don't come across head. many other resellers in our regular life, our whole life we didn't. So it's right. so nice to connect with other people and, uh, you know, entrepreneurial spirits and just, it's wonderful. So I appreciate you bringing us all a little closer with this podcast. Oh, well, thank you. And I appreciate you being here. Well, I will let you get going. So I will talk with you soon, my friend. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Juliet for being on this week's episode of the podcast. Again, you can find Juliet on Instagram and TikTok under the username Juliet's Finds. And all of that information will be in the show notes of this episode for you. Thank you again to everyone who has been listening to the podcast since its return. I really appreciate your support as this show does run on listener support. There are many different ways you can support the podcast, but the easiest and free way is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I love reading your messages, and I thought it would be fun to be able to share those messages in future episodes. Moving forward, I'd like to thank you all on air, so if you leave a review, I may read it on next week's episode. So if you want a shout out, leave your social media handle in your review. And again, thank you to everyone who has taken the time out already to support this podcast in one way or another. So until next week, keep on listing and keep on selling.